Hey guys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the drug development sector. This is a special episode, quite similar to a really successful episode that we did recently, which was called Biotech Briefs, which took a look back at some of the best parts of previous episodes that were related to the biotech space. And in today's episode, we're going to be looking back at some amazing guests that we've had, um, speaking specifically around building culture in organizations. This is something that is very dear to my heart. It's something that I've spent a huge amount of time over the last 10 years focusing on in my own business endeavors in the sense that, in my view, great cultures lead to great businesses. Uh, And certainly that uh, theme that I've gathered from all of my guests is that kind of importance of building and nurturing and fostering a great culture in an organization. There's loads of takeaway points that you can take from today's episode. Um, So what we've done is kind of cut them up into little short bits so you guys can make notes and take them back into your organization. Look how kind we are. Huge thank you to my production team, uh, Tony, who does all the good work in our editing. Special thanks to George, who has been our producer for the last year and is leaving Molecule to Market. But don't worry, we have a producer lined up. And to all of you guys for listening as per usual, we really appreciate all of the feedback that you give us. And the one way you can make our day is by going on to the App Store and giving us a little five-star rating. And if that's too much effort, just share this podcast with with a colleague or a contact in your network. So let's get into today's episode. I'm going to start things off with a delightful gentleman called Magnus Gustafsson, who is in an episode called Finland's Viral Vector, Manufacturer of Happiness. It's a a pleasure having you here with us today. So thanks for for making the time. And Magnus, just to start off with, you know, it'd be great to give our listener a bit of a feel for who you are and and how you kind of got into the sector. And, you know, tell us a little bit about your kind of career today, because I know you've had some really interesting positions in in kind of uh, both on the CDMO side and in Big Pharma. So it'd be great for you just to kind of give give us a bit of an overview of, of your journey to date. Yes, of course. Uh, my pleasure. I mean, obviously, that's a, a big question. I, I can go on forever on <laughs> what I've done before, uh, but I, I don't want to bore all your listeners. And I started my career, I think, uh, 21 years ago when I finished my PhD. Uh, and at that time, I was a convinced um, scientist. Um, that I now work in business development is probably just the circumstances. I worked for AstraZeneca when uh, uh, the bio site was um, um, divested and became a CDMO. That was in 2009. And um, the company Resifarm Biologics was formed. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all scientists working for AstraZeneca and, um, and someone had to do uh, the business development and that became me. So just on a, on a chance, I guess. And uh, I, I loved it. Uh, so I'm, I'm still doing basically the same thing as I did uh, from 2009 and onwards. 
I'm a, I'm a kind of a curious person. So I, I like to understand how things works and I, um, um, the more complicated um, the projects are, the more interested I become, I guess. And if you could talk about uh, your kind of time with, obviously, Vessi Farm, Cobra, and, you know, obviously then to a little bit also about, you know, Biovian and the business that you're at, Biovian, sorry, the business you work for today. And how did how did that journey ultimately lead you to where you are in your current role? Yeah, so uh, one thing led to another. Um Reciform Biologics turned into Reciform Cobra Biologics, which were spun out to become Cobra Biologics. And I worked for the company for 10 years uh, and built um, uh, quite a lot of, of the team and, and revenue. We uh, triplicated sales in, in those years and uh, triplicated in number of people employed as well. So it was a great expansion and, and uh, it was really fun work. Eventually, after my MBA, so I got an executive MBA, thought that uh, strategy was the thing I wanted to focus on. So I joined um, G Healthcare Life Sciences, it was called at that time, and now it's called Cytiva, mm -hmm. in, a, in a position to understand um, where the market was going in order for Cytiva to stay relevant in the field. You know, it was everything from viral vectors and exosomes and mRNA, you can probably imagine. Um, and, and uh, really with the focus to, to make sure that uh, Cytiva was not missing out on any opportunities that, that should be identified. Mm -hmm. um, but in the end, it became a little bit too theoretical for me. I, I'm probably more of a small company, hands-on type of person. So when uh, Biovian asked if I wanted to join them, I happily accepted. And I think it's the best thing I've done so far in my career, even though I have probably done a lot of other things as well. Uh, and that's because uh, Biovin is such a pleasant company to work for. It's really, really um, a nice culture. I, I feel uh, motivated and happy every day. Mm, that's great, great to hear. And, uh, and, and I was going to ask you about kind of what, what would is it, you know, what attracted you to the business? Now, I was, I was very curious myself to see um, the phrase manufacturing happiness on on the website of the business. But before I before you go into that, can you give our listener a bit of an overview of you know what what the business does, uh, you know who it serves? Uh, it's obviously based in Finland as well. So any any kind of overview or kind of uh, insight of, of the company and, and how it was formed as well. Uh, yes, of course. I mean, I, I have only worked for Biovi now for, for a year, a little bit more than a year, and the company is 19 years. So th there is a lot of history here where I can, of course, tell you what I, and I knew about Biovian. I've known about Biovian for a very long time. I mean, the, the Nordics is not uh, a very big geography. So um, uh, a company like Biovin will, will be noticed. Um, the company was formed by five co-founders in 2003, and four of those are still active in the company management. Uh, and I think this is probably part of the reason why why the company culture is so so good. 
you know, it's, uh, they have invested with their own skin into the game. Um, they are still working for the company and, and the, the knowledge and competence of, of basically everything within the company is still there. We have an employee, re, employee retention rate of more than 96%. So it, it really shows uh, that you know, people do like to work for Biovian and, and the artifact of that is of course that the competence stay in the company. So year on year, we, you know, we, we're building on that track record and, and it's still in the company, which is probably why our clients then turn to us for complicated solutions because we, we do have a lot of, of employees with a lot of um, experience. Uh, we do serve smaller type of uh, biopharmaceutical development companies, I would say, especially on the, on the viral vector side uh, and also recombinant E. coli proteins. Uh, and we, do, um, we try to, to provide a, um, a comprehensive service or a so-called one-stop shop. Um, for us, that means that you know, we should be able to take a product all the way through preclinical to to um, uh, market the drug. Um, so a very long, but also all the steps needed. So uh, from uh, cell banks or plasmids or um, whatever the starting point would be all the way to released drug. So we do uh, manufacturing uh, of these modalities, but we also do a drug product um, and a septic fill and finish in, in uh, different lines, but at small scale. So um, we're not a commercial manufacturer, I would say. Our niche is at least yet uh, more smaller scale operations. And you're obviously, you mentioned some plasmid manufacturing in the viral vector space. You're Biovian's very much in the hottest part of the market right now. So am I correct in assuming that that's, driving quite a lot of growth in in your business and and link closely to that i'm curious to kind of see how you know finland's not necessarily you know a location where you would not you know you would you would think of a, a viral vector manufacturing and certainly I, I didn't so how does how does the location and talent play into your ability to keep up with the growth um, is, you know, obviously the founders have done a great job and have built a great culture, but I'm guessing it's, uh, you know, when supplies, oh, sorry, demand is high and being able to supply and, and get the talent in, in Finland to help deliver is, I suspect, a challenge, but it'd be great if you could talk a, a little bit about that. Yes, I think that's a great question because it surprises me as well, you know, why, why Finland or, or Sweden for that matter. So I'm based in Sweden. Um, but the company is based in across the sea in Finland. Um, why it works, basically, you know, it's it's not on the east coast of the U.S. Uh, or any other hot t- spots in the world for viral vector manufacture. But the company has been profitable since start, and it has been growing since the start. Uh, it was profitable during the financial crisis, and it has been profitable during the COVID crisis. Um, so I, I would say that management really are, are good at managing the company. Um, it has grown. So now we are 100 and 
20, I think, um, from fairly low numbers. I don't know where they were when they started, but you know, something like 20 people, something like that. And, um, and this probably have, you know, made so much experience within the management uh, on how to grow a company. There have been constant recruitments over the years and constant uh, taking new space um, into consideration. So it's, um, it's, um, it's amazingly how well it works um, in, in respect of growth. And I mean, you are entirely right, of course. You know, the demand is, is very high, uh, especially at the time for the time being. And, uh, and obviously growth is accordingly. Yeah, and that's, that's so interesting to kind of get that perspective in terms of, you know, why it works and, and the good work that the founders have done. And, um, and I wanted to come back to something I asked earlier, but I didn't probably make it uh that apparent but i was really interested in something on the website that said uh manufacturing happiness which i've never seen on a cdmo website so i was curious to know what that means and and does that link to you mentioned the culture being very pleasant within the business is that are they linked together in that the the manner in it the manner in which you guys do business is developed in a way to, to manufacture happiness in, in your customers? Or, or maybe I've completely <laughs> misunderstood what it's about. Yeah, no, uh, you, yeah, I think you're completely right. Uh, manufacturing happiness as for I, I remember Carl Turner from Maine Pharma was on your show some time ago when he was speaking about four C's, where customer centricity was his fourth C. And, and customer centricity is a difficult one uh, and it, it was you know something of a necessity for him to outsource and customer centricity is probably what biovian sell but it's a hard sell you know everyone can sell a best product or best price but working close to clients and and making sure that they are satisfied is a difficult one because everyone can claim it Biovian have a, a net promoter score of 72. I don't know if you're aware of this. No, I do. That's very, that's, that's very, very high. That's in the world-class uh, bracket, if I, understand, if I mind. Yeah, that, I think it's considered excellent. So it, it means that 72 um, out of 100 would rank Biovian as, as a 9 or 10 on the scale from 1 to 10, uh, answering the question, would you recommend Biovian to a colleague or peer? And a nine and ten on that scale, you know, it, it puts you in the in the positive um, referral bucket. And and for me, that's unheard of. I I have worked with other CDMOs, many CDMOs, and I outsource to other CDMOs. But you know, that kind of satisfaction has is unique in my experience maybe you have more info on this because you speak so to to so many cdmos yeah no, no it's, a, it's it's an interesting uh, question and I, I mean i was gonna ask you you know not necessarily to tell us all the secret sauce or anything like that but w what is it about the you know is it just keeping your promises meeting deadlines um, is it the culture you know is it the finnish culture <laughs> you know what what is it that is 
has helped you guys achieve that MPS score and that kind of real sense of satisfaction and referrals amongst existing clients? Very good question. I've thought about it a lot. I mean, it's obviously it's not due to me. I have only been <laughs> with the company for years. So I cannot claim any of this. But I, I have, and I have thought about it. Uh, I, I do think it originates with the fact of these four uh, co-founders still working and managing the company. They started it, they built it, they have successfully recruited people. And then it also includes, of course, um, the, the, the competence level of, of people. So 50% or more of, of our employees are master or PhD level students. So there's a, a real pool of, of talent in the company uh, solving problems. And then the employee retention rate being more than 96%. They all indicate to me that, that employees are happy. And if employees are happy, then they like to go to work. And obviously <laughs> that reflects on how we manufacture for our clients, which makes them happy. So all of these link or boil down to the concept of manufacturing happiness. What a great guest Magnus was, and he really encompassed the kind of great culture part early on in their business model, and, and they've seen great success in that business. Uh, moving on to the next, we have a personal favorite of mine, Mr. Jeff Dill. Uh, myself and Jeff had a conversation during the pandemic, and, you know, Jeff's business that he spearheaded, uh, Vynamic, has done some incredible work with their pharma services firm over the last few years. And I was in awe and have continued to be in awe of what this organization has done to not only recruit new team members, but retain them and you know have a really happy, healthy focus on the work environment. Things that I've taken into remarketing and lead candidate in my own businesses. Jeff Dill. CEO at Vynamic. Jeff has over 20 years of experience in the healthcare consulting world. Previously at Accenture, he joined healthcare industry management consulting firm Vynamic in 2005, where he has been ever since, and he is now CEO. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Ramon, thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. It's funny, Jeff, you know, even in my own experience over the last year or so, I remember we appointed someone uh, in London as a, in a very senior role a year ago and it was a big deal for me at the time because it was like wow we, we don't have a london presence and how you know how is he going to integrate with the team from a cultural perspective and then COVID happens and you know now we're employing people all over the world and it kind of no one cares where the location That's is right and it's uh, i've already you know, seen that in my own behavior so i imagine it's the same with other uh, business leaders and i wanted to it gives me a nice segue into something i was really keen to talk to you about you actually you mentioned the phrase healthy culture so I'd like to talk about culture. Everything, you know, if I, the research I did beforehand looking at Vynamic as a business, it seems to be one of the most interesting and amazing corporate cultures that I've, that I've ever come across, actually, particularly in this sector. So my first question is, it would be great for you to kind of paint a picture of the culture of, of Vynamic uh, and the kind of second part of interested to know how it's been impacted by COVID and what you guys have had to do to retain uh, that special culture that you guys seem seem to have. 
Yeah, I think, first of all, I appreciate that. And I'm glad, I'm glad that's coming through when you kind of do some research on us. We, we certainly take pride in our culture. So I think first, it's so important for a company to have a set of values that everyone believes in. And they, and they really do mean something, um, that they're not just words up on a wall somewhere. And, you know, we're, we're very much focused on the team member as the first priority. And that, that can come across as controversial. But Clients are, of course, extremely important and they make our world go round. But I, I find that if you take care of your team, they will take care of your clients and, and the clients will be getting engaged, powerful team members that just want to solve complex problems. So, you know, our culture kind of painting that picture is, is articulated in what we call our vitals. That's the encapsulation of our culture. And so the, the word vitals is what's most vitally important to us and also a playoff off the healthcare industry with our vital signs. And that includes our purpose. It includes our vision as a company, our values, and what we call our I am commitments. And those are the behaviors that we're looking to have exhibited and hold each other accountable to. And the phrase I like to use the most is something we say about cultural processes. And we have a strong focus on cultural processes. And it may seem a a strange phrase, but if if you think about it, culture is, is about your company's values and behaviors. And then a process is something that's repeatable and scalable, right? So if you can if you can find that special sauce of having your culture that can be scalable and repeatable, we've taken the effort to actually document our important cultural processes. And this could be um, orientation, the way we orient new team members, or our inclusive staffing um, staffing process and empowerment. It could be the way we do strategic planning or company meetings or... You know, and I think that that has been really, really critical to our success to really hone in on those things and double down on what works well. And maybe final, I think that really our culture is all about creating an, you know, an environment where people can bring their full self to work every day, be authentic. Right. And so that's that's a huge part of our culture as well. There will be people listening to this that will completely understand everything that you've just said and the importance of purpose, uh, vision, values. One really interesting point that you said about documentation. How do you document culture then? Because I know you guys have got now, and correct me if I'm wrong, you've got four offices now in, in different parts of the world. How do you then scale up that culture and what do those documents look like? How do they feel? Uh, just because I know that's one of the things that people struggle with when they say, uh, acquire, you know, open a new office in a new territory or acquire a yeah. different business. So any, <laughs> any pearls of wisdom you can share? Sure. Yeah. 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 We actually have, you know, one of the most important uh, points in our company's history was, is actually just about 10 years ago. It was in 2011 where for years we had talked about our culture, but it wasn't, it wasn't captured as easily. You know, we use certain words. So we actually have sort of a two-sided piece of paper. It can be folded up to look about the size of a business card. Um, but it, it, when you unfold it, it's actually the front and back of a paper that has has those areas I was talking about. It, it starts with our purpose of we believe there's a better way. Right? It's, it's at the heart of everything we do. We train on that. Like, why does Vynamic exist, right? It doesn't exist because the world needed another consulting company. That really, certainly wasn't the case. But we did feel like there was a better way. So that's at the that's the heart of why we exist. Then we have our values that are captured on that that front and back of that page. And it's our five values of living, leading, learning, growing, and thriving. And we have statements around those values. And, and for us, those values added up to one another equal, equal one word, and that word is healthy. We feel like if, if team members are living those values, that equals healthy. 
And so then we took it a step further with our vision, and it may sound a little crazy and out there, but our vision is to be the healthiest company in the world. Now, again, that, that definition of healthy is, is not that we can do 100 push-ups and sit-ups, all of us. It's, that, <laughs> it's that, we, that we're living out those values, right? That we feel like we're living to build a better tomorrow through our community service, that we're leading with integrity with our clients, that we're learning by daring to think big or thriving with the freedom to apply our unique strengths and growing for our people, not at the expense of our people. All those, all those phrases are really important. And then we have these I am commitments, and they could be, those are the behavior side of culture, which is... I am not afraid to fail forward, right? I'm a member of a structured yet non-hierarchical team. Uh, I'm in control of where I work and what I do. I'm responsible for the success of Dynamic. All those things really, and, and, we, and we train on those things. We talk about them. We start a lot of our internal meetings with the vitals. And, uh, and we actually had a strategic priority on it a couple of years ago to really relook at the whole set of vitals. And we ended up not changing much, but there were a few words we changed here and there. And but the main benefit of, of making it a strategic priority for a year is, is to just re-engage the whole company in it. And, and I think that's what's important. It's got to be a it's got to be a lens with which all strategic decision making is made. Right. It has to drive your priorities versus something that's just off to the side. Yeah, no, I, love, I love that. And there's just so many learnings there for, for people listening around how to how to develop and grow a particular culture in the business and even just reassessing them like you guys did. You know, sometimes it's just tweaking what you've already come up with, but companies evolve and grow and your culture has to evolve and grow with it as That's well. Right. How have you managed to evolve and make that all work, you know, in this new world we're living with? Presumably most of your team are, are working from home. Um, I know you've just invested in a beautiful office in Philadelphia as well. Yeah. It'd be great if you can talk about that. But yeah, just how you guys have managed to uh, retain and uh, maybe even improve that, that, that cultural uh, kind of aspect of your business. Yeah. And as, as you mentioned, the, the, our physical office space is often a big and an enjoyable part of our culture. So that's something we've we've missed a lot. We did do a, a big renovation of our, of our Philadelphia headquartered space. And unfortunately, we haven't had a chance to to reap the rewards and benefits of that. We actually created a video that we launched to the team recently just to show them what it looks like so that when we get back in person, we can enjoy it. But I, I think we've we've certainly had to get more creative with culture. And, you know, first, it's worth mentioning, I'm, I'm grateful that our business has performed well during these rough times. And I know all businesses haven't been as fortunate. So for us, it's on the culture that's been less about the business performance and more how do we keep our culture so strong in a remote environment. And I think the answer does go back to focusing on our values and thinking about what can we do for our team, for our clients, for our community during these times. And so we, we've focused on things like, you know, mental health, physical health, team members, home office environments, giving the right resources to improve those as sending packages. You know, the amount of packages that we send is, is shocking. I think it's whether it's food or fun cocktails to team members' houses, right? We've We've kept our main company events and, and parties intact and have just, again, gotten creative with how we execute them remotely. And, and I think another thing about the culture is that you should be embracing home, pe you know, people's home lives, right? It's like encourage ki kids to jump on into a Zoom or a dog or a partner. And we have we have support groups that we've launched a bit with with parents with small children. That's been critical. I have three teenagers, and that that's been challenging enough. But I can't imagine <laughs> having young kids right now. And then I think the last point is the whole world is going through something you know really uh, unprecedented. And I think using our financial resource that we have to make a difference in our community for the causes we're most passionate about. That's a, a key card, part of our culture as well. That's been important. As I said, so many talking points there by the brilliant Jeff Dill. And last but certainly not least, one of our 
most successful podcasts in the last year or so was with Peter Salkner at Vetter Pharma. What a fantastic guest Peter was and the success that the business they've had there in Germany and the US has been phenomenal. So here are some fantastic thoughts from Peter in terms of the cultural piece for his business. Today, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Peter Zulkner, who's Managing Director at Veta Pharma. It really was a pleasure to interview Peter because his journey at Veta is super interesting and it was really insightful for me to get an an insight into Veta Pharma, a company that I've known for a long time didn't realize how big they have become in the CDMO space and just some of their learnings on the journey. Peter also talks about kind of the the kind of very humble origin story of this kind of injectable filling specialist who really have built a fantastic reputation in this space. He also talks about his personal journey, uh, you know, from being at Veta very early on to going to a different company and then coming back to Veta, including kind of time in the US and now back to Europe on his journey of effectively running or co-running a billion dollar company. He talks very openly about culture and DNA and, you know, having scale up challenges and you know, how the people component is is key. Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a certain mix of attributes what what makes us successful so if you look really on the hierarchy of needs and lack of a better term why are people going to cdmo in the biopharmaceutical space and what do they expect so one or the number one buying criteria is still quality and that's a huge void and then you, you find things, uh, for example, like uh, how do you manage your uh, uh, relationships there? Are you technologically at the forefront? Do you have a certain level of innovations in the clean rooms that you always are up to par or just a tad better as, as um, most companies out there? And um, then pricing, for example, is somewhere criteria number of four to five. Not that pricing is not important, but in conjunction with the quality, with the security of, of supply here, um, uh, how you manage those relationships that they can rely on you. That's really, as I, saw, as I said before, it's we are selling trust to, to a large degree and not only products, that we are there and deliver exactly up to uh, the, the client's expectations to have that that DNA and that sheer will um, to to do that, um, that that is that is really something which is is deep in the DNA and makes us makes us uh, unique. But in terms of surprising, it's really kind of a total cost of ownership um, uh, topic. Where usually, if you look on an Excel spreadsheet, sometimes um, just dollars for dollars, we have never been accused to be the cheapest organization. But if you look on us from a total um, ownership perspective, total cost perspective, it is it is a completely different story where all of those other things come, come into play. And as I said before, before. It's really the people who make this company tick. And usually when going gets tough, our experts live up to the highest level of, of their competency. 
And uh, that's what you see every single time. It's not that, that all of a sudden things fall apart when uh, difficulties will be there, no matter what. And sometimes um, um, we make mistakes. Uh, we have to, to bridge certain gaps if maybe some, some unforeseeable obstacles come up in our client's organization or there's a shortage of supply or how do we handle the supply chain, for example, even in pandemic times, which uh, had been quite an undertaking, but we manage that. I'm happy to say that over one and a half years, there was not a single batch what we did not deliver at the end. And um, that, that, is, that is something where, um, yeah, people can, can, can rely on us and, and still day in, day out, they get the exact same quality from this organization. Uh, so, and I, I think that mentality here in the region where we are with our headquarters uh, helps to a certain degree. It's sometimes um, a little bit more understatement. Um, it's not that we really try to sit on a high horse and, and really sit on our laurels and, and become complacent and really think we are, we are so great. Um, that, that, that has always to be one of, of those factors that, that, you, that you still stay grounded and, and you really know why you're in business and you have the patience behind that in mind. And that helped us a lot uh, through, through the pandemic as well. So when that all broke loose, you certainly ask yourself the question, if you have 5,500 people a responsibility, um, do we endanger anybody here? So how do we get through this kind of virus? What do we do? And uh, at the end of the day, I think um, within a couple of hours, it was quite clear to us, we have to have, uh, um, um, we have to perform, we have to have uh, the, the gates open and uh, really uh, go through the motions. There's no such thing that somebody invented um, a sterile um, syringe filling application in your living room that will not happen. There's no home office or such thing. So roughly over 3,000 people definitely had to come in in a three-shift model in most clean rooms. And you could really shift a little bit around in some of the administrative functions. But um, yeah, I, I think people were um, more committed than ever. If I look even on the deviation rate, of the, on the absenteeism rate and other things during the pandemic, we became better in the last one and a half years. So people really lift up when the going gets tough to, to, to those type of challenges uh, which were thrown at them, and they respond. And that's that's really um, one of those things, the culture, uh, which was uh, instrumental to carry us even through tough times. And that's what you see sometimes in projects as well. Yeah, uh, life throws you a curveball from time to time, or projects can go the wrong way. And it's always a question, not how deep do you fall, how high will you jump back? And that's what you see with Fetter. Yeah, and no, that's... that's uh... Such an interesting insight, and I think it's probably um, reflected across the CDMO sector and when the industry needed to be called upon to to turn up and deliver when it was not always safe to do so. You know, businesses and uh, and teams and cultures performed, and that. You know. And there you have it, guys. As you see, culture is key. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Molecule to Market. Let us know what you think of these slightly different episodes. If you like them, great. If you don't like them, we'd still like to know because we're trying to make life as good as possible for you guys. As always, thanks for listening. Leave a nice rating and look after yourself and we will speak to you very soon.